Okay, let's try this out. Last time I said it backwards. Uh, now I'm going to try it in Dutch. I've I've been I've just been out of town with a couple of Dutch guys, so now I want to try this in Dutch. Let's see if I can get this to work. Okay, bent u in klein bedrif in probert je dingen ver elkaar ter grugjen met beperket tij in Milton. Overflowsupport.co.nz is here on in helping hand ter Biden met administrative taken groot of klein. Better than for full-time of part-time personnel else Jaguan. What extra hoop? Nogged <laughs> helped helped is ver vel bedriven niche edge halber met overflow support. Boke Jaguan deterred die Jag nogged helped. One Jedi Nog Nodage Hept Lesmere Op Overflow Support Wow. I have no knowledge of that language and I am dyslexic. So that was interesting. I'm gonna say it forwards. Are you a small business trying to get things done with limited time and resources? Overflowsupport.co.nz is here to lend a helping hand with admin tasks large or small. Paying for full or part-time staff when you just need a bit of extra help isn't really achievable for a lot of businesses. With Overflow Support, you just book the time you need, when you need it. Find out more at overflowsupport.co.nz I kind of liked it in Dutch. Welcome to Don't Give Up Your Day Job, the podcast, the only podcast you need, or as Bobby Kennedy says, the only podcast with Danny McCrum in it. Today on the show we have guitar player Andrew Thorne. You know, Andrew's played for Beck Runger on the big first album with Sway and Drive and all those songs. He's worked with Jan Halregel, uh, Tim Finn, Dave Dobbin. He's got his own. He's had his own couple of bands, Splitter and the Calico Brothers, um, and he also currently plays in the '80s covers band '80s X. It was great to catch up with Andrew and uh, and talk to another guitar player and talk about stuff, talk about gear, talk about, uh, uh, well, I'm not actually very good at talking about gear because I never remember anything, but it's still fun to talk to other guitar players about just playing in general. Speaking of playing, like I said, uh, I've just been away with a couple of Dutch guys. That's sort of true. Um, a couple of guys who have Dutch in their heritage, uh, and that's completely irrelevant. But the, the relevant part was that we were away for a few days rehearsing, and we hadn't really played together for the longest time because of all the events this year. And it was kind of it was kind of amazing to actually be in a room again. Uh, we we rented this beautiful big house somewhere down country, and um, when we and we played, and we were in pre-production for a thing we put in together. Um, but just to just to stand there and play together again, um, man, this this whole year is is. I guess it's reminding me and probably a lot of other people, you know, to be appreciative of, of what we do because it's now under threat, I guess. And and what do we do going forward? Do we book shows? Do we, you know, plan tours? I mean, I'm seeing this week a whole lot of things getting postponed again. Um, it's, it's, it's so hard to say, but man, it was a pleasure to be away with these guys and to be in, in rehearsal again, figuring things out. It's a noisy, it's a noisy time. I am not really interested in weighing in on it. Uh, one of the best things I did this year was I took Facebook off my phone. Oh my god, what a relief! Oh my god, what a relief! Every now and then I'll check back into Facebook. Um, I don't really interact, as I've probably made clear, but um, 
you know, I check back in, post the odd thing about the podcast or whatever, and then I just carry on with my life, you know, and um, I don't feel the need to rant and, and rave and uh, engage on that level. And I know that probably most people listening do that. And hey, do whatever you want. I don't care. But, you know, I, I just, I mean, I guess we run the risk of, of being guilty of adding to the noise on this show because we're one more thing, putting stuff out there. Um, but hopefully what we're putting out there is, is um, a little more interesting. Is that obnoxious to say that? I mean, real stories, you know. Uh, Andrew Thorne's done it. He's a real guy. He's a real musician. He's not hypothesizing. He's actually done it. He played with these people. He's he's done the gigs. He's a great player. So I don't know. Is that noise or is that is that useful? Do we even know anymore? Do we even care anymore? I flick on the news today and there's a thing about politics and there's stuff about horrible stuff in the world and then the, there's a thing about the Kardashians. And I think, what? What? So yeah, at risk of adding more noise to the world, this is my conversation with guitar player Andrew Thorne. Now let's do this! Don't give up your day job. Well, I've never, um, I've never played a cover. I couldn't play a other person's song all the way through. Really? And then, um, you know, just the opportunity came up and I thought, oh, I can't do that. And then I, I tried. And um, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, I sort of. Luckily now there's YouTube, right? So there's yeah. always someone from Buttfuck Idaho telling you how to, you know, <laughs> play the songs. But um, yeah, but how do you know if you can trust them? Oh, it's, yeah, you can tell if it sounds right. <laughs> you can get away with it. You know? But um, yeah, so I uh, jumped on, and then yeah, and it's fun also getting all the sounds and yeah. stuff. You yeah, know, I, I use a uh, an effects box that you know, like a multi effects with. Each song has got a different patch for each right. different sound and that sort of thing. So yeah, I've seen some of the funniest stuff on YouTube. Like I saw yeah. one recently where a guy um, he put his fingers in a position of F and he, and he explained that this was an E sharp. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So no wonder everyone's confused these days. You can you can generally tell just from the um, the little the little picture whether you know what the guy's playing or or she he or she is playing. Yeah. And uh, I they're going to know what they're talking about. Well, based on their gear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, are you a Strat guy? Or? Uh, yeah, Strat. Um, yeah, I, I've always played played Les Pauls for years, oh, and right. then um, you know you just get old and you go, I don't want to carry that around. They're for heavy, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I just sold one, my my uh, standard actually, right? Because it was like ten pounds or something, <laughs> and um, yeah, I just between that and a Strat, it's always going to be the Strat. So and yeah, I, I've got a nice Jaguar and. A, Telly and a, cool. I've actually got a three three five as well. Nice. Is, yeah, I've always wanted a three three five. Yeah, but this they're expensive. Beautiful. Yeah, well, yeah. what six grand or something? Five. Oh five, no, six this, grand? this one was three. Three? Uh, yeah, yeah, Where'd yeah. Where'd you so steal it? It's a, it's a nineteen seventy eight. It's beautiful. What? Yeah. How did you get that for yeah, three grand? Yeah. Um, was it you buy it off someone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. you tricked them. No, 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 no. <laughs> got them uh, drunk. <laughs> Uh, no, I think that's about what they what they go for. Isn't really? It? Is it? Yeah. I thought they were way more than that. Yeah, no. Well, it depends. You just got to hold out. This one just sort of fell on my lap. So right. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. lucky. I've always wanted yeah. a three three five. Yeah. Yeah. But that would have been like a weird transition to go from Les Paul to Strat because, I mean, it's funny how like a lot of people tend to fall one way or the other. It was it was weird, but they're yeah. so easy to play. They're beautiful. Strats. Yeah, Strats. Right. And now, um, I think over the years. You know, my hearing's gone. And because they're a bit brighter and triblier, they just sound better to me. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. See, I've heard a lot of people say that you can you can sort of, like, that, that Les Pauls are easier to play and you have to know what you're doing to play a Strat. I've heard, right. I've oh, heard that okay. argument. I, I've never quite 
known if I I've never decided yeah. if I agree with that. No, I would I would I would say the other way. I would say a straight's way easier to play than a less pull. Why? What's the challenge uh, with the less? I mean, apart from the weight, what's the challenge um, there? Well, now I find that I I just love a strat. Was it a C-shape neck? Yeah, you know, yeah. slightly mm-hmm. thinner neck. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, you know, my my Les Paul had a D-shape. It was like a baseball bat. Right. So it was, yeah. yeah. Um, I quite like them sometimes because my yeah. telly, my telly, uh, one of my tellies has a D-shape. Oh, okay. Or it did. No, I changed it. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it used to have a D-shape. Yeah. And um, and I quite like it's it's quite nice. Like the, it's quite comfortable. Quite just chunky. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. to hold on. Yeah. Oh well, I don't know. It's um, you know, you 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 have a favorite pair of boots or something. Totally. And, and then. Two years later, you go. What was I thinking? When I was, you know? <laughs> but strats are um, quite timeless, though, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, for well, then again, so are Les Pauls with the, with the '80s stuff. You yeah. know, it's it's perfect that um, you know, is it the fourth, the quack position, the, the quack the, position, the quack position What's with that? with the uh, isn't it the um, the bridge in the middle pickup in the in between there? Oh, the fourth position. I never go. I never venture in between. Oh, that is your classic '80s. What, that what you right with, the, with your uh, with your '80s. Um, trifecta of a uh, bit of compression chorus and distortion wow you know so much more than me yes, about you, the you 80s. Go to 80s sound. <laughs> mm. i just sit in the middle oh right okay <laughs> and if i'm feeling freaky i go yeah. to the front pickup oh i go both yeah. ways you know yeah <laughs> so to speak by pickup <laughs> yeah. um I, yeah well I, I very rarely go on the back pickup i have to say oh okay i find yeah. it too toppy well one of my strats has got a, a little 59 humbucker in the back oh, so nice. that's for all your you know your, yeah for your the rocker, grunty stuff. rockier stuff oh it's yeah I, I suppose it's really good if you're going for that kind yeah. of yeah if you got yeah, like AC DC kind of sound or yeah, something, yeah, yeah or that yeah, kind of yeah. more grunty thing. Absolutely, yeah. Eddie, Eddie Van Halen. Have you noticed um in recent times that more that well there, in guitar culture, there seems to be a lot of pushback at, uh, in recent years on things like Fenders, guitars like Fenders. Like um, some people like some people are really anti Fenders for yeah, reasons yeah. I can't discover. Well, obviously they're anti Gibson, you know, yeah. recently for the um you know play authentic sort of backlash that happened there. What happened um, there? The the head of was it Gibson Marketing or something came out with a, um, a basically a veiled threat against people that make guitars that resemble anything like a Gibson. Oh, and, and he was saying, you know, play authentic, you know, right, and, and, and go to the real thing. And we know manufacturers are making kind of knockoffs of Gibson, and we're going to start going after you, right. <laughs> So and he just got this huge backlash against that. Sort yeah, of but thing. he's up against what seven decades of people copying both Gibsons yeah, and yeah. Fenders. I, I I don't really know the full story, mate. He, you know, he's probably new in the position and right. wanted to, you know, mark his territory or something. Yeah, who, who knows? But yeah, yeah. This was about a year ago or so. Right, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, but yeah. I did hear that they were in trouble. And, right. Um, you know, and and the reason being is that there's now so many guitars floating around out there yeah, yeah, that people right. generally buy secondhand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. um, and so now they're actually it's quite an interesting business problem. It that is. They're sort yeah. of in, they're in competition with themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're struggling to sell new guitars. Yeah. You know, but apparently all the all the new stuff, the um the 2020 range. Um, I've got a friend that goes up to Nam, and apparently all the the new Gibson stuff is just amazing really yeah it would have to be so, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. hopefully they've got that gimmicky shit out of their system yeah the Did tuners you, the and auto um, tuners what yeah. a stupid idea <laughs> yeah. someone brought one to me once like check this out and yeah, um yeah. and as i played it was like yeah yeah put you off yeah and really bulky and very un rock and roll looking yeah yeah exactly there's you know there's a certain limit you have to live with yeah and what's how hard was it to tune your guitar 
Well, you'd be surprised. But... <laughs> I mean, when did you actually start playing? Uh, when I was about, I think I was about, about maybe uh, 13 or so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Classic, you know. classic guitar playing starting age. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was 12, same yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Especially for boys, you know. Yeah. Oh, girls are scary. I'll play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they might talk to me. Exactly. Yeah. Well, who got you into it? Um, I have got, I've got two older brothers, twin brothers, who are um, about seven years older than me. Mm-hmm. And they always had, you know, good 70s music taste. Right. Um, you know. Led Zeppelin, Bob Marley, um, The Clash, and that sort of thing. Yeah, and you know that sort of stuff starts filtering through when you're uh, young, dumb, and <laughs> full of potential. You know, um, so uh, yeah, th- and that got me interested. And then I just uh, hooked into the Beatles. You know, right? Um, which was quite weird, I guess, as a twelve-year-old to be listening to just purely the Beatles. I don't know if that's weird or amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um which album got you in? Um there was the the three, you know, um Help, yep. Revolver, yep. and Rubber Soul right. together. Mm-hmm. Those are together. Just, Interesting. Well, yeah, they're just I don't know, there's that's sort of what was it, um 63 is it 64 no six, oh, I don't know 65 I'm really yeah. good with the Beatles from about Revolver onwards actually it was Rubber Soul that was my first sort of big yeah, Beatles album right, yeah right but before like in the earlier than that I get yeah. all confused all those right. early albums I, <laughs> I don't know which song came off what album or so, so yeah Help obviously had the movie the second movie right yeah with it so I guess um, yeah um, but you know that's that's still all the fantastic pop songs mm. but still pretty pretty band played yes you know yeah so it wasn't the simple yeah 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 sort of stuff yeah. simple and in inverted commas uh and then it wasn't the more psychedelic stuff so yeah, right just great rock pop really. yeah and um, how good is revolver yeah 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 serious absolutely. album every yeah. time i hear it again i'm like man <laughs> and and, the, and then you think how old, how young these guys were yeah and then just what they were doing in the studio man incredible and also like how many albums did they actually make was it like 14 or something Something like that yeah and and it was all in the space of about seven years yeah yeah incredible because what was it 62 to 69 yeah 70 i think yeah because i feel like the last recording was 69 but the last release was 70 yeah possibly yeah yeah was it abbey road or uh uh, there's some funny story about that isn't there like isn't um Abbey Road, the last one they recorded, but Let It Be was the last one they released. Yes, something like that came out out of order. And there was um, there was Phil Spector in there as well, wasn't there? Somewhere yeah, he was doing some on know. Let It Be, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think he's that's why they did. You know how they did the um, Let It Be? What did they call it? Let the, It Be Naked. Naked. That's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> they took him off without the yeah. wall of sound, which is a good album actually. Yeah, sure. I like it. Have you sure. heard it? Uh, no, I haven't. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've uh, you know I've just been living in the Beatles for so so long that at, at some point you go okay that's enough that's, 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 that's enough <laughs> it's there though. It's, 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 it's yeah. there in all your DNA yeah I guess so yeah. yeah I'm like that with a lot of my favorite artists actually um you know I actually don't put them on very often right because yes. I've sort of gotten as much out of them as I can it's just yeah, nice yeah. to have them in the back of your head yeah it's like yeah. you know sinking into a warm bath isn't it you put on Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers oh. or something and you just go oh. I love Tom Petty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, which is your favourite Tom Petty era? Uh, well, that's the thing. Tom Petty's a bit of an anomaly in that, you know, until the day he died, he was putting out new music. Yeah. And they were touring and playing new mm. music. And it was fucking great. You yeah. Know, Hypnotic Eye, their last album, is great. Yeah. It's a great album. Yeah. Um, great production, great songs. And, um, you know, I just love that whole 
Rickerback twelve string jangle yeah. sort of thing. Um, nice harmonies and Hammond and yeah. you know um, to have Mike Campbell and Benmont Tench in the same band. I know. What a dream. <laughs> I know. Mike Campbell's one of my favorite guitar players. Yeah, always mine, has been. Mine too. I think. Too, yeah. I think the um, uh, um, damn the torpedoes. Um, I know yeah. it's I know it's a popular yeah. famous album anyway, yeah. so it doesn't need my endorsement. But yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. a perfect album. Absolutely, the production is insane. Like if yeah, you just yeah. put put um, Refugee on and the headphones, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. insane. Yeah, you yeah. obviously would have seen that classic albums um, deep dive into that with all the interviews yeah. with Tom. I think I did ages ago, but yeah, I saw yeah. the. Um, did you see the five hour documentary? Running, yes, running down a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I loved. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So you got into playing. So what was the original? Um, so you, were you early on? Were you starting to play Beatles songs? Is that how you got in? No, no. As I say, um, or I said before, uh, I've never been able to play uh, a cover song. Right. I thought you meant you weren't performing them, but you know. No, I could never. I I could never play them because right. I would. Um, you know, this was before YouTube and stuff. Right. So I'd never be able to work the chords out. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just I have a terrible ear for that sort of thing. Right. So I would just go, oh. I can't work it out and then try and start writing my own stuff you know? right so um, which is beneficial I guess um, and now 40 years later I've, I've sort of joined a covers band yeah uh, and and playing covers and then going oh wow that makes so much sense how that goes together <laughs> you know that's really um, really beautiful how that goes together those mm. chords and the yeah. melody and stuff um, but yeah I've never had never done that up until you know, six years ago or something. I was similar because I was uh, the reason why I started playing the guitar was so I could write songs right. so, so yeah, I was yeah, actually yeah. never interested in becoming like some fancy player sure um, it was just a vehicle really yeah yeah um, and uh, so I I mean I learned a few songs I remember being 12 like working out Tears in Heaven and More Than Words and right, those right. sorts of things yeah, yeah. Um, but I uh, you know it wasn't really my main interest yeah. but I find it interesting that you say you didn't have an ear for it and yet you're writing which yeah, which requires an ear. Well, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. My my wife was always very frustrated because I knew the I knew um, the main riff to about fifty songs. You know, <laughs> play the beginning of Blue Lady or something. Bam, 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 and then oh, I don't know how That's the rest it. of it goes. <laughs> yeah. You're great at parties, right? Uh, play or something. Here's yeah, a bit. Yeah, very frustrating. <laughs> Pass the guitar on. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And were you set at that point um, in in your ambition at all? Um, I I think I always wanted to be in a band. Yeah, yeah you know, because um, when I was sort of you know in your your raging teens of fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Yeah. Um, you know, concerts. We just went to so many concerts. Right. Um, uh, you know, Bowie at Western Springs, mm-hmm. and, and then the following year, U two at. Logan Campbell Centre. Wow. And that, I mean, that was 20 bucks. That's a tiny venue to see yeah, you two in. Yeah. <laughs> what Tw- year was that? That was 1984, I think. Okay, yeah. so they were barely anything at that uh, point, right? Yeah, well, they were just about to put out The Unforgettable Fire. Right, yeah. So um, the, the story was that um, they'd been working so hard on that that The Edge had forgotten how to play the previous three albums. So they <laughs> arrived in New Zealand and had to get the previous three albums so he could relearn them for, wow. the, for the gig in two days. So um, they played in um, uh, Christchurch in Auckland, I think. Yeah. So two nights at Logan Campbell Centre. And as I say, $20, you know. <laughs> and do you remember them being like particularly good or anything? Yeah, I can remember them. Actually, um, that... Uh, one of the nights is actually on YouTube. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Right. So uh, check it out. That... Um, uh, that gig was the first time they ever performed 
pride in the name of love. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, uh, I find it really buzzy when, when you find out that really famous bands played in venues you played in. Yeah, right. You know, like right. when, I, when I was 15, I got to the finals of the Rock Quest and we played at um, Auckland Town Hall, was yeah, where yeah. the finals were. And I just, I knew that at the time that that's where the Beatles played. Wow, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, and I was, the whole time I was going, I'm standing where John Lennon stood, <laughs> yeah. you know. And then I found out later I was wrong. Oh, okay. I was standing where Paul McCartney stood. Oh, well, you know. Not, <laughs> not close not, enough. Not so bad. <laughs> not so bad. But that's weird because, you know, we, I'm sure we've both played at the Logan Campbell Centre. Oh, uh, I, nev- I never have, actually. I'd love to. Yeah. but It's a cool place. But, yeah, um, you know, going to gigs, which, I mean, if you're 15 or 16, I suppose, saving up yeah. that amount of money was reasonably difficult, but not, not in comparison today. Mm. And also... Um, you know, lots of New Zealand bands doing lots of gigs, and I saw um, the dance exponents as they were then. Yep. And uh, a, a guy called Chris Sheehan on guitar, and I just thought, oh, f- fuck, he's as cool as all get out. Right. You know? Was he, he? Was he? He was from the dance exponents. Yeah, he was right? in the dance exponents. He yeah. was their um, second guitarist, and just fantastic. Um, you know, fantastic time, fantastic player. Yep. In a not conventional blues way, right? But just the sound and you know the look and and everything. Yeah. And I just thought, yeah, I'd, I'd like some of that. Ne- never, never got there, unfortunately. But, you know, <laughs> um, but, but yeah. got, but got where? What do you mean? <laughs> oh, with, as regards being a cool guitar slinger, you know. <laughs> but, well, in your opinion, uh, but yeah. uh, but you know he was fantastic. Um, yeah. And there's, uh, you know, possibly my favourite album of all time is um, Expectations by Dance Exponents, the yeah. second album. Just the guitar work on that is is awesome. Cool, yeah. yeah. yeah so. And did you were you already putting bands together at the time? Uh, no. Then about probably about uh, took about two or three years, and you know, did school school bands mm-hmm. um, with a couple of mates at school, and um, and again, all original stuff. Yep. Um, uh, no covers and was that kind of of the era kind of new wavy or um, yeah I guess so lots of delay and chorus and stuff you yeah know, big JC120 cool. um, yep. blasting away uh, it's kind of a mess of an era uh, it's a mess of an era in music isn't it Cause, yeah, to a certain extent yeah you know because you two of course they weren't new wave no they were no. a big part of the, the culture and, yeah. and you know rock and roll like early Van Halen and you know what became the hair bands and, yeah, yeah. and the new wave was happening and post punk and yeah, yeah. so and, and pop music and there's so much happening at the same time and of course you know Michael Jackson and all that kind of stuff too yeah yeah so absolutely like how would you know what to even do <laughs> but yeah I think I think we were aiming for you know your, your simple mind Echo and the Bunnyman right. kind of um, that sort of sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whether we achieved it or not. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah um, just carried on from there. Really, or sort of up until the last ten years or so, I've always had a band going of, of mm-hmm. some sort. Yeah. And uh, yeah. But and, what were the stages writing. like? Did, did you finish school? Like, did you were you thinking like I want to make this my career, or was it anything like that? Um, no, I have um, I have. London parents, you know, uh, <laughs> that grew up in World War Two. Right. So they were very much, you know, yeah, you'll you'll need a real job. Yes. <laughs> but ironically, I've never really had a real job. Right. So um, uh, I've 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 always done things to to make money, but I've never had a career doing stuff. I've always sort of. You know, I should have just stuck with the music, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, so did you? Did you go to uni or something? What was the uh, What were the I, steps after school? Oh, I did, I did lots of lots of things. I was a quantity surveyor. Yeah. Um. I, I, I was a, a camera assistant. Mm-hmm. Um. Like a for on a film set. Uh. Yeah. I used to work on Shortland Street. 
um, just you know one day a week yep. doing doing field stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that was years ago. Um, what else have I done? Oh, just lots of part time work. Um, you know, temping agency stuff. And yeah, yeah. Licking envelopes. And sort of <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I was the same. I I, yeah. I left school pretty early and just did jobs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can tell you about things that you know don't help me now, like yeah. you know sheet metal. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, and and then eventually I I wound up um doing a bit of audio engineering. Right. And um and working at uh my fm radio station oh right for five years that was fantastic yeah what kind of and is this still pretty early uh no this was uh oh, what was this oh this is about 20 years ago maybe okay yeah yeah so i'm trying i'm trying to find the um the connection between being in a school band and ending up being you know ending up working with some of the biggest names in new zealand oh, music okay. you know so what's right. the what's yeah. the story that got you up there um well again from original um being an original band yeah so i had um i put out a sort of a, a solo-y thing in about 94 mm-hmm. and um and then i met uh kurt shanks yeah who's um you know from stella and we had him on the show a few episodes oh, yeah, ago yeah yeah, yeah yeah and um and he knew a, a guy called matt Meehan, uh-huh. uh who is just was just a fantastic drummer he was he was like a combination of ringo Starr keith moon and john bonham all wow. in one he was um he would play drums just knocking out the most amazing fills with a cigarette hanging out his mouth and then you know uh we did some recording i, I remember once <clears throat> he'd written this song called supermarket girl mm-hmm. and um and it needed a real sort of jimmy page meets angus young solo and he was down and we were recording at his house so he was asleep yeah and i said woke him up and said oh matt come and come and put a couple of solos down put his um put his dressing gown on had a um rolly cigarette lit that strapped on this uh telecaster put down three solos each freaking better than the next you know <laughs> and then he said how's that yep took his guitar off went back to bed <laughs> and um you know he was one of those guys it's just like yeah he was the real thing right you know? yeah yeah so so what was the keith moon aspect because if you compare a drummer to Keith Moon, in many ways, that's an insult. Well, yeah, he had the rock steady sort of timing of Bonham and yeah. the feel, but then he could just do the craziest, you know, fills and stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a splitter song called Bad For Me, mm-hmm. which has this intro, drum intro to it. So, you know, if you can dig that out somewhere. Um, yeah, just phenomenal. Right. Just phenomenal. Sadly, he's no longer with us. Right, um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, I mean Keith Moon as well. I mean he's he's one of those sort of freaks of nature, isn't he? Like yeah, nothing yeah. he did made any sense, but it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I was yeah. I was listening to someone. Uh, I think I was listening to an interview the other day where someone back in that time in London in the sixties, um, apparently they were making the point that everyone says the Who were the best live band, right? Yeah, amongst all of them. Yeah, um, yeah. The yeah. Stones, the Beatles, whoever. The the Who were the best live yes, band. Yes, absolutely. You know? And yeah. you think how? <laughs> Like Keith Moon obviously had no idea how to stay in time. Yeah, it, it's a strange sort of a thing, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I know various drummers do dislike <laughs> Keith Moon. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, and I I know people who worship him. Worship yeah, right, him as right. well. Um, I mean, I'm the same with some guitarists. I I don't think much of Jimmy Page's playing because of the amount of 
mistakes and oh yeah like his, his he's just so technically loose it, yeah. it kind of irritates me but oh, I, 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 res- I i dig it I, yeah i respect his um his contribution yeah yeah you sure, know sure. as an artist he's amazing yeah yeah um, i just can't get past all the dead notes right 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 <laughs> but i do find it i'm not you know i'm not sort of singling him out i think it's quite interesting to to get to look at these iconic players and to be able to see the pros and the cons you know like i think hendrix for example amazing for so many reasons but he wasn't a groove guy yeah yeah right he didn't really have that i mean if you want groove you go to motown in my opinion yeah yeah (laughs) well going back i mean i that's i went from the beatles i guess to led zeppelin right and um that's what put me off from trying to learn songs was trying to learn led zeppelin songs going you know, because well, it's yeah. really interesting stuff that he does. Yeah. Aside from the tunings, but um, you know, like tr- I'm trying to sit down and work out how to play Celebration Day. It's right. Like, no, just, <laughs> just couldn't do it. You know? But I think that's because there's a large part of it that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Right. Like, like I've, I mean, I'm, I feel like I've got a pretty good hold on time. Yeah. And I still can't work out the timing of Black Dog. Right. Yeah. I, sure. I feel, I feel they go out of time with each other and they resolve together. Right. I feel right. like it's a, it's an, it's an accident that they kept. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. Possibly so. Yeah. Yeah. And then had to relearn it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I've never thought to look them up playing it live. I wonder if they yeah. do it the same way. Yeah, live. they do. Yeah, they play it just as out of time. So where were we? So you're so you're putting the I'm putting putting um you had the band sp- splitter together. So I was, yeah. was splitter the first proper uh, proper band. Um, I was in other other bands. A band called One. Yeah. Um, which. <laughs> Uh, this was sort of very early 90s, 90, 91 sort of thing. Uh-huh. And we played places called like the Dog Club and various places around Auckland. Where was down, that? Down in Hamilton. Uh, that's the old Dog's Bollocks. Oh, right. Yeah. The Dog Club. It used to be called the Dog Club. I didn't yeah. know that. It used to be a quite a kind of, um, it used to be a great music venue. Uh, for slightly alternative bands or yeah. BFM gigs and that sort of thing. So was the layout of the Dog Club similar to the the original layout of Pretty the Pretty much. Ex- uh, I, I haven't been there for years, but yeah, the stage was by the door, so you'd walk in and have yeah. to look back to the stage. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. I haven't been in there since, I mean, I know it's closed now, but I haven't right. been in there since they renovated it again, and apparently oh, okay. they took the stage out. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Someone yeah. told me they took the stage out and they sort of, eat, I think maybe they even built up the lower floor level, so it was all one level or something. Oh, really? Something like that. Oh. And then the band was like in the corner on the floor. Oh, where they belong. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, um, uh, yeah, I can't, uh, I can't remember but I mean that was you know that was that was a fun time. Yeah, lots of young bands around and yeah, all um, set in five and um, uh, this band one and various other bands and right. all playing the dog club and yeah, uh, I think Stuart Broughton who was uh, Supergroove's manager he he put a lot of gigs on there. Right, I remember playing there with Greg Johnson once. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was so that was one. Um, one one band that we had and uh, you know we were all Beatles fans and we even wore Beatles suits the collarless the collarless Nero jackets and stuff awesome Um, and but then that you know that dissolved and I I went on and uh, started Splitter with with Kurt and Matt yep and um, that was good fun and we we did some gigs a place called Squid Bar which is in O'Connell Street Oh, okay. To, used to be owned by Mikey Havoc or run by Mikey Havoc. Right, yeah. And um, on one of the gigs we did, uh, there was the young woman supporting us was Beck Runga. Right. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I, luckily I met her, I think, before she met a, a proper guitarist. 
<laughs> and then she just, uh, you know, she was she got a deal and was wondering, you know, who who could play some guitar. And um, luckily, she she'd only met me, so, <laughs> she only so I got the gig by default. Because <laughs> she must have just moved to Auckland, right? Yeah, that's right. I yeah. was eighteen or nineteen or something. Yeah. And um, yeah, so then so that's how that happened. And um, yeah, we did some gigs. Uh, I, I saw it started as a live band. Yeah, it was it was me, uh, Spooky from the Exponents, uh-huh. and a guy called Jay Folks from memory, who's played with lots and lots of people. Yeah, uh, and then some, a couple of guys from Christchurch came up, mm-hmm. um, uh, and that that was around the time of. Um, uh, pre-production for the for her first album, right? Because I had assumed that you'd just simply been brought in on that album. Oh, right. You know, no, rather, we'd done we'd done know. a fair bit of live work before right. then, okay, and, and a lot of pre-production work. Yeah. Um, and how, like, how similar were the songs at that point to how they ended up once the album was you know produced? Um, yeah, I, I think Beck has a a very well firm idea of what she doesn't want right maybe not so much what she wants but what she doesn't want mm-hmm. and um yeah i mean she did an incredible job producing that album yeah. you know um yeah. getting getting sounds and arrangements and right. that sort of thing um so yeah we we just ended up at Rev- not revolver was it yeah revolver studios yeah um mm-hmm. which is just what? out in par road yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, eh? Yeah, well, yeah, not, yeah. Not far from um, here. Which was, which was a pretty amazing sort of a setup, mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah, and then the the drummer um, didn't kind of work out under the microscope of the studio. Yep. And then so um, Wayne Bell jumped in. Yeah. At, 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 and um, yeah, I think we started to play. And was that the first time you met Wayne? No, no, he'd. Um, He'd actually he'd actually produced a couple of splitter demos. Right. Yeah. So he turned up uh, in the studio one day um, and uh, helped us helped us record some stuff. Played played some drums on a couple of songs because um, I think maybe Matt had gone by in, by then. Yeah. So there were a couple of demos. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's all a bit hazy. <laughs> and um, but you know Wayne's. You know the nicest man in rock and roll with the best stories. Absolutely, so, and um, also an amazing musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love his playing. Yeah, yeah, I always think of Steve Gadd when he's playing. Yeah, yeah, you know, just that real feel, and you know, absolutely, just absolutely, really playing for the song. Really solid, sort of, just ever so slightly behind the beat. Sort yeah, of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's funny. I um, I'm looking to do some stuff now, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and and get it, <clears throat> and find a, a drummer, and. I realise now I've just been so spoiled my whole life. I've <laughs> played with Matt, me, and uh, Wayne Bell and Andrew McLaren. Yeah, like you know, just fantastic musicians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, anyone that's not just amazing is like, oh, really? <laughs> how, how come you're not as good as Wayne Bell? You know. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I've um, I've set myself up for uh, uh, a disappointment, possibly. But anyway, but, I'm sure. But I, I often think it's funny how um, you know because it, it's such a saturated industry and always has been. There's mm. always been so many musicians everywhere trying to get in and trying to get stuff going. Yeah. Um, but then when you're in a position when you're, you're you're trying to do something at some kind of standard and you're looking for someone to hire, yeah. Then suddenly there's no one to hire right. because you <laughs> right. go there's only a handful of people that are really really like their playing. Yeah. And then within that handful of people, who can I also rely on? 
Yes. You know, yeah, yeah, who's, yeah, who, yeah. who's who, going who to be together and exactly who will learn yeah. the shit and turn up yeah. on time and, yeah. and, and, you know, not fall down drunk and all, exactly. <laughs> all yeah. that stuff, you know, yeah. it's funny how the numbers suddenly become really slim. Yeah, it is. It is. And I guess a lot of it comes down to, um, you know, probably similar to yourself at some level, whether you admit it or not, you're a musician. Yeah. And, you know, you might have spent years going oh i need money and doing a job and then not having but you always come back to it right and you know maybe at our age or my age anyway you you look at people that you did music with Mm. you know 25 years ago and you know they haven't picked a guitar up in 10 years or something yeah and you sort of think how 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 is that possible it's weird isn't it obviously that little thing is not in you yeah that, that you could actually give it up yeah, I, in some ways, I think I'm starting to understand it more. I don't have the inclination myself, but yeah. I am starting to soften my view on it because I know how hard the business is now. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, absolutely. Being yeah. chewed up a few times, you yeah, know, yeah, and, yeah. and I can see how some people would be put off. Yeah, have a, have a couple of bad experiences and go. You know what? I need to move on. Yeah, and I oh, get your I, families I get that. and kids and yeah. and work pressures and you know. Um, but I know what you mean. I can't I can't imagine not ever playing. Yeah, I yeah. can I can imagine quitting the business. Yes, that makes yes. perfect sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I can't imagine just. I'd still want to yeah. like. I'd still want to just pick it up and play. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's weird. I mean, I I I consider I haven't really been doing doing music for the last ten years or so. Right. But I've been busier playing than i ever have been with playing live playing live with yeah. covers things yeah um and it's only uh, only actually since lockdown um probably the same as everyone else that right. um that i thought oh what's that where have i stolen that from oh that's, that's <laughs> quite good and you know, open up logic and yeah bring in some drums and play some bass and you go oh i've got a four minute track and yeah so yeah over lockdown i ended up doing quite a bit of writing which was um fantastic so i've got about 12 new pieces now awesome. which is great yeah, yeah so now i'm looking thinking oh i better i'll do some original music until i until i get my enthusiasm beaten out of me again you well know? isn't it isn't it interesting how this whole you know all the events of this year has made all of us kind of reassess everything yeah and um, and reprioritize you yeah know? and you just and there's so many things you think you know why am i doing that <laughs> a waste of time you know or or why aren't i doing that yeah exactly you know like exactly like creating things yeah it's so easy to put creating things on the back burner because we've got life in the way yes and then suddenly when life goes on hold you go i should have been writing and painting and recording and you know doing all this stuff you know oh they they arrive when they arrive i guess it's you know um but yeah i'm really excited at the moment to Mm. be um to be coming up with some new stuff and um, looking at um putting putting some some guys together and and uh you know would you? Are you thinking towards a live thing or more of a recording? Uh, yeah, I'd like. I'd quite like to do some live, live stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, no one will turn up, but that's that's, <laughs> that's all right. But that's the same for everyone. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, then going into the studio and um, and doing it. Yeah. yeah awesome. Uh, yeah. So so, where, so going back to the um, Beck Runger album, mm-hmm. um, I, I think your work on that album is fantastic. And, oh, and, cool. And you know we've been talking about some of these other musicians how they play for the song, yeah. And uh, and that's what I think you achieved really well on right. that album. And I'm sort of I'm curious to know how you approached it. You know, did right. you did you take a lot of guidance you know, or well, direction, or well, was it sort think, of left up to you? No, I think it was pr- pretty much left up to me with yeah. a bit of yeah, no less of that, more of that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, Beck's incredible in the respect that. It's her voice and her guitar, yeah. And anything else is a 
almost superfluous, you right. know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're basically just trying to creep in where you can. But, yeah, yeah you've got to leave it up just to the voice and guitar, really. Um, right. And, but that's uh, easier said than done. I guess so, you know, and which I, comes back to my lack of ability being <laughs> being being a plus because I can't right. I can't you know go all over things. I just you know I'll just I always joke I've made um, a career of um, doing you know your classic volume swell with delay. <laughs> I do that all the time. Yeah, yeah, I love that. If in doubt, because you, you know you can go a little bit and you go, is that going to be in the right key? <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's good. And just let it go, and you know, yeah, you can do a bit of a flourish. <laughs> but I always, I always make the argument that um, you know when you're a musician playing on something, it's not what you are able to do; it's what you choose to do. Right. That's really right. what a musician is. Yeah. You know, right. it doesn't matter if you can play at 100 miles an hour. Who gives a shit? Well, I guess you know? that, yeah, that's the benefit of having a very limited toolbox. I guess. <laughs> so you can, you just, um, oh, I love your playing. It's so simple. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> but see, like, that's where I think that guitar culture has gotten all fucked up because, mm-hmm. you know, it's only since really the 80s, I guess, where shredding became a thing. Right. You know, and it all, all of a sudden now we're all having to answer to this one way of playing. Right. And there are so many ways to play. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and I mean, why do we suddenly have to answer that question? Like, right. Like, I decided that I would rather have a life than learn how to shred. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, let's face it, most of the people who learn how to shred had they practice for like 10 hours a day. Exactly. And I'm like, I'd rather have a girlfriend. Yeah, right. right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but, but also, I don't, it doesn't do anything for me when I hear it. No, there's an there's a element of, um, well, that's a good trick. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like it, standing on your head. Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, a lot of these, um, I don't know, a lot of these people you see on YouTube doing these amazing guitaring and, and especially drum things. Mm. And you think, wow, that 12-8 that playing is awesome. You can't dance to it or, you know. Right. It's, I don't want to listen to it for very long. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know. Uh, I guess that's the new version of it, isn't it? Like I guess in, so, yeah. You know, these days it's like, you know, uh, videos going viral yeah. and going, look at this thing. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it is a trick. It is, yeah. a, it is a stunt. Yes. And I think, well, when did music become a circus act? Well, yeah, exactly. It's it's like the guitar hero, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's like, wow, wow, you can do that. Wow, you're good at guitar hero. Right. Because <laughs> when I listen to like the song Refugee with Mike Campbell playing lead, yeah. you know, what I love is the space he puts in there. Yes, you know, like sure. He, he plays almost nothing in the verse. Yeah, it's just yeah. that little da na na na. Then he holds it for like I think four bars of nothing. Yeah. And then when he brings into the pre-chorus that big strum he does, it's yeah, like, oh yeah. man. <laughs> but you know, try getting try getting people to play like that. Yeah, yeah. To play with that that sensitivity to the song. Yeah, yeah. Being able to being able to hold off and um, step back and not play anything that's a that's a, an important thing. I think, yeah. Just to because then when you do jump in, it's like oh, exactly. You know? oh, it's like the whole kind of bastardization of of rock with, you know. Um, uh, what's it called America's Got Talent and yeah. and all that sort of American Idol and New Zealand mm. Idol and stuff it takes it takes music and just makes it a commodity that's know? right this week's rock week yeah. everyone's going to wear a leather jacket and hold up the goat horns that's a right. lot and yeah. this week's funk week you know so, yeah. mm. uh, but anyway well I was uh, talking to uh, a, a teenager and, um, and she made the point that she's really frustrated with modern culture. And it's quite interesting getting this perspective <laughs> right. from, a, from a young student. She sounds like an old soul. <laughs> yeah. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, um, it's frustrating how I look 
you know, I look into the past and I see all these really interesting eras in art and culture and music yeah. um, that seem to have their own identity. Yeah. But she said, you know, in my lifetime, it's all been retrospective. Yes, sure, you know, sure. Where, like they're saying the 90s are back or the 80s are yeah, back. Yeah, or right. And it's like, she's going, why can't we move forward into our own thing? Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was a really interesting point. That's very enlightened, isn't it? Yeah, for, um, yeah. very perceptive. But it's also very true. Yeah. I think that's um, partly because of marketing yeah. and um, PR and that's sort of how we frame things now. Well, I mean, there there is fantastic music being made, oh, obviously. all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no shortage but, of it. But, uh, you know, the big corporations that still hold, you know, the, uh, the bottleneck of what everyone sees mm. uh, just don't know how to deal with that or make any money out of it. Right. So we just generally get the... Um, the shit you know well it's always annoying to me when someone comes out and they say this is the new so-and-so yeah you know like uh i, I love gary clark jr sure and when he came out they said this is the new hendrix right. and i thought <laughs> right. no, he, he's, no he's he's not. the new gary clark jr yeah, yeah, you know yeah, that's what right. he is <laughs> yeah he's, his yeah, own he's guy. cool isn't he he's yeah, amazing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And I love one of the things he said, actually, that will relate to what we we're just talking about. He goes, when I'm in a situation and someone starts like really showing off, I play as little as possible. Yeah, right. The more notes you play, the less notes I play. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and it's the, there's a little bit of fuck you in that, which yeah, I, re- yeah, I really love. Yeah. <laughs> now, there's, yeah. quite, um, there's a lot of um, predominantly instrumental music getting mm. made, um, guitar. There's a great band. I can't pronounce their name. I don't know what they're called, but they've got a, a female bass player mm-hmm. and um, this guy that plays sort of North African guitar. Yeah. And this amazing just drummer that just taps the drums. And they they the two lead people wear wigs. It huh. begins, begins with a K. You'll have to look it up and put it back. Put I'm, it, put I'm, it in. I'm fascinated now. But yeah, um, she she just sings oohs and ahs, but they're they're great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, of course, there's the big movement of bands like Snarky Poppy sure, and, and all yeah. the offshoots of that. And I think yeah. that's really interesting because it's it's like the um, the, the pop side of the music industry yeah. has sort of collapsed and stopped making any sense. Yeah. And in, and the fallout is you've yeah. got all these musicians going, well, fuck it, let's just do whatever we want. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, it, which is what I'm doing with my with my new stuff. Yeah. Is, um, you know, oh, that's six minutes long. Good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and and so while we're, while we're financially getting screwed... Um, artistically, there's actually this sort of this new birth of, of yeah. um, inspiration that seems yeah. to be happening. It's not in, on radio, and it probably will never get funded or anything like that. No, but it's sort of it's where all the musicians are now going. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's I mean, that, you've got to do that to satisfy your own soul, or else you know you're lost. Yeah, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. So was the Beck Runger album what got you, you know, on other tours and you know Dave Dobbin and yeah, we Tim we. That you know, that first album drive was obviously huge. Yep. And um It must have been a funny feeling. Yeah. And then Wayne was in the band at right. that stage then. Yeah. So we did a lot of lot of touring. Mm-hmm. Um went to Australia and places. Um went to Europe and did um some gigs over there. Mm-hmm. Um that was with the the Mutton Birds rhythm section, oh, uh, yeah. Ross Burge and Alan Gregg. Yeah. Um, so that was that was fun. Yep. Um, uh, and then I came back to New Zealand. Uh, stayed in Europe for a year or so, and then came back to New Zealand. And um, a couple of years later, uh, the Finn Runga Dobbin thing was happening. So that was right. like two thousand. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we uh, the Splitter had just put out 
their first album called Stereo Happiness. Right. Um, and Tim Finn quite liked that. Mm. Uh, and Tim Tim's wife Maria uh, was was a bit of a champion of that album. Yep. Uh, so somehow my name got mentioned, and uh, so I did that tour with with Wayne Bell and Mark Hughes. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, so it, was, it was one band behind the three artists. Is that how it worked? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, and and all those guys obviously played a lot as well. So Tim and Beck would jump on drums sometimes, yeah. and she's uh, a good drummer, eh? Yeah, she's great. Yeah, Real Ringo Ringo Runger. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, and Dobbin would play piano and guitar, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's another guitar hero of mine. As as Dobbin, has just the way he plays. It's um, and the best tone. His tone is awesome. Yeah. It's insane. It's incredible. It's all just guitar. Yeah. And, and amp. Yeah. Maybe a maybe a hot cake for a solo, but um, yeah, it's all just volume. You know, the yeah. old school. Um, lots of lots of finger. You know. Yeah. He, he, he reckons that's his only trick is he can put his pick in here and play with his fingers sometimes oh so, yeah I do that sometimes uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah his tone and his playing his, you know he'll play solos and you just go oh this is going to end horribly <laughs> and then it just, just why do you say that just because you know he, he plays um, <laughs> this is going to end horribly <laughs> yeah he's just playing a flurry of notes and you go oh how are you going to get out of this and then bang you, you, you're safe it's like the, the, the most beautiful sort of um acrobat or something and you just think oh he's gonna land on his head oh no yeah right. he, he makes it you know um yeah I, f- I find that energy a lot with um maybe not with the uh uh this is gonna end horribly but like um brett adams it's just so exciting yeah that's what it is it's exciting because yeah. you don't you don't know what's gonna happen yeah um it's kind of i guess neil young kind of solo right yeah uh, i love brett's playing yeah yeah he's a really good player and just he's also a master with the uh, effects units yeah and things as well you that's know? right um he's yeah he's fantastic he does he does a fantastic jimmy page impersonation <laughs> right. so. i'm sure he plays a way better than jimmy page though possibly so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah we did a gig beside um uh, dobbin a few years ago and, and right. i was just intrigued with the setup and you know he's got the two yeah. amps and yeah the, yeah and the split situation and right and um he was he was asking me lots of questions about my tone and oh, okay and this is when i i run out of things to say because oh, i don't okay. i don't know enough about gear to have an right. intelligent conversation <laughs> yeah right so it's like what kind of tubes are you using like i don't know Shit, you know yeah. and like what, what what even just the voltage of the amp i always forget yeah so yeah. is that your main live amp the princeton reverb i've got too so i use the princeton um a lot because i love how it's you know you can it's a small quiet amp but yep. you can push the you can yes. push it and get that gainy sound yeah, out of it without taking without, your head off exactly um <clears throat> and then over here i've got the um the the blues deville oh um, okay the four by ten yeah the tweed one there yeah um and uh i um actually recently modified it and took mm-hmm. um i got someone else to do it but i uh, got two two of the speakers taken out oh okay so now it's a two by ten. Oh, nice and um and it's it's actually amazing it was a bit of a gamble but yeah. um um a lot more bottom end with a that... lot more bottom end yeah, that's right, right. right yeah which was actually a bit of a surprise i didn't okay. sort of anticipate that but yeah but yeah. of course like two speakers in a, in in a big cabinet in the big yeah. cabinet yeah oh, okay um and it also it just takes the weight out of it yeah, carrying sure. it around yeah and yeah. um and also why are we carrying around all these speakers when you put a mic on one speaker yeah yeah yeah. that was sure. the moment where i thought what am i doing yeah 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 <laughs> i bought that in 97 i've been lugging it around oh, ever since <laughs> i only just modded it a couple of years ago yeah um, well i was you know i was a when i was a young man i used to carry around a ac30 everywhere oh you god know? <laughs> um I, I think only a fender twin would be worse right oh or, yeah or, those a, things or a stupid monsters. marshall yeah. half stack or something but yeah smaller and smaller i'm i'm playing a um uh, deluxe reverb the 68 
that's a 68 yield Princeton, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's a reissue, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I've got the 68 um, Deluxe Reverb. And, nice. Um, yeah, just fantastic amp. Good, simple, uh, honest little amp. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Nothing on them. Yeah. Just a bit of reverb. That one, for some reason, has tremolo. Right. Which is cool, in the studio especially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I never use it on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just, I don't like all the gimmicky stuff, you know? No. It's like I just can turn it up. But if you ever do, yeah. you know, you get into a nice uh, soundproof room, studio or something, and there'll be an old AC30 or something there, and it's yeah. just, you can crank it up and get oh, that yeah. sweet spot. It's like, oh, yeah. On the weight thing, though, like, haven't bass players had the laugh, last laugh oh, now? Oh, absolutely. Because they used to lug around the biggest, heaviest, yeah. you know, pieces of kit. Yeah. And now most bass players can load in in one go. Absolutely, <laughs> There's yeah. tiny, yeah. I don't even know how they work, those tiny light, I mean, Mark Hughes uses them. Yes. You know, um, what are they called? Those? Um, the, uh, the Mark, uh, the the Mark, Mark and. The, yeah. yeah i don't know how they make such a nice sound no no when they're so light it doesn't make any sense and it's so annoying that they can't do it with guitars yet i know <laughs> <laughs> well i guess they can but we don't like the tone of them yeah all these weird yeah. digital things that are coming out and yeah I've, have you gone to, ever down that road with the um xfx and stuff like that are you talking pedals or the amps um oh the is it the xfx that's kind of um amp modeling uh, I haven't. No. It's not that I'm anti it. It's yeah. that I find anything like that overwhelming. Right. You know, uh, because I, I'm so used to technology glitching. Yes. Yeah, right. And right. Um, that's one of the reasons why. I mean, I, I, I think about the number of tours I've been on where having a multi-effects unit would have made a lot of sense. Yes. Because yeah. it's so easy and portable and yeah, light, yeah. you know. Um, and I just couldn't get my head around it. Right. Because if something yeah. went wrong on stage, I wouldn't know how to fix it. Yeah, right. right. You know, whereas like, a good old pedal board yeah, you can yeah. basically just yank a pedal out of the chain yeah, if it goes yeah. wrong yeah um so it's just that's my limitation <laughs> right yeah yeah okay the technical anxiety yeah yeah how about yourself um well i've no i've used uh multi-effects yeah um and i use a multi-effects now just a boss thing yeah um i mean i've got a boutique i've got lots of boutique pedals mm. but um yeah i just like the the, the simplicity i'm i'm pretty good at setting up sounds and being able to edit on the fly and that sort of right. thing yeah um and one of my other guitar heroes johnny ma oh yeah he uses a boss gt100 live right um yeah. and the other thing is live i mean you get a great tone that sounds fantastic and then during the gig it disappears anyway you know <laughs> yes yeah. it's like it's like sound checks you know you've spent hours of your life sound checking yeah it's never been worth it you know as soon as you count in and hit the first bar of the song it's like oh, i can't hear it it's all different <laughs> yeah 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 i mean that's that's one thing that's i find quite annoying is um some like you're you're, you're quite vulnerable i think on stage you know mm. um you know you're you're vulnerable to the room the sound yeah, of the room yeah. the sound of the pa um who's got their you know who the engineer is and obviously they're amazing people yeah i'm sure yeah. we've both worked with who we yeah. feel really comfortable yeah um but there's other other times where you go well i've got all this nice gear and i've worked really hard to get good and yeah and now they've just re-eq'd my guitar and made it sound like <laughs> shit yes <laughs> yeah. well yeah i mean we're in a i guess we're in a lucky position now where we can work with people that we trust and know yep. mm. so um but yeah guitar um live stuff is yeah you never find the tone you're always searching for the perfect yeah. tone that's and, part of the uh, fun though isn't yeah, it? yeah i guess so yeah. yeah so i i never really care that much about the live sound um if it's a you know decent guitar and to a decent amp with a pedal 
that, yep. that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> and if the right person's mixing, then it will. Yeah. They'll, they'll find a way of making yeah. it sound good. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so did you? You did you say that ten years ago ish? You sort of backed away a little bit from. Yeah. Well, from I became stuff? a dad. Um, oh, right. My beautiful daughter is now thirteen. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, uh, ten years ago or so, I just I don't know. I had a. It's it's a hard road doing the original music, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's, oh, if, yeah. if you you know, um, I think Noel Gallagher said, "What's the what's the bigger the best thing to keep a band going is like have success." Yeah. You know, so if you don't have success or any measurable success where you can actually pay people that are playing with you, yeah, it, it all gets a bit much. You know, as you head into your forties, to expect people with kids and stuff to give up their time and right. come to a come to a rehearsal and a gig, uh, yeah. Uh, and then to put gig gig after gig on and have you know the same god bless them 25 people to <laughs> yeah so yeah i sort of stepped back and thought well that's not working sort of um in any financial way mm. so maybe i'll i'll uh, i'll try another way and was yeah. that a painful process or was it more not really because of course no. you're ha- you're having a kid so i yeah, guess that yeah. was a really nice the, experience yeah you know? exactly yeah exactly yeah i mean I still, we still, so we we had Splitter, um, that was Mark One with with Kurt and Matt, mm-hmm. and then Mark Two, uh, Kurt left to do um, Stella, yeah, uh, and Matt, as I mentioned, unfortunately passed away, yeah, um, and then I came back from uh, Europe and thought, oh, we'll, ha- we'll have another crack, so uh, I met this guy Aiden Phillips who is quite f- possibly the best bass player in the world wow he's fa- he's fantastic <laughs> just uh, to put it lightly yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Wayne um, you know I, 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 I sort of asked Wayne do you know any drummers because I mean you know I couldn't ask you because you know you, you, obviously <laughs> you, you're too flash to do it and he's well I don't know why yeah, I'll be happy to do it yeah um, so that was great I had fantastic rhythm section and then um, Joel Tobik who's an actor oh yeah uh, he was on a show with Wayne in the in the house band right yeah and uh, he's a he's a great rock player he, you know Angus Young uh, and his biggest idol is Prince right so oh, he can he, Prince. he can do all that really fast let's go crazy stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, and then rock like you know Ron Wood or Keith Richards or something yeah and that's the sort of stuff we were doing it was kind of a pastiche of um, you know rock and pop yeah uh and so we did an album uh, called devil in the detail about 2002 or something yeah uh and that got a bit of um that got a bit of traction uh, under what name was that that was splitter that was still splitter, splitter, splitter. right yeah yep. um and you know we made quite a few videos for that yeah the singles off that and um the production on that album was was really good it was recorded with andrew Guy called Andrew Buckton. Oh yeah, and, I remember. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. And he had the uh, studio up on um, uh, Simon Street. Yeah, two hundred three. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we tracked it in Helen Young Studios, uh-huh. which was you know the Abbey Road of the South. It was a beautiful studio with Andre Upston. Yeah, and he he got amazing drum sounds and bass sounds and stuff. And then we when then we went to Studio two hundred three, and Andrew had all these amazing old amps and guitars yeah. and stuff. And um, and we spent about ten days. You know, putting down guitars and keys and vocals and stuff, uh, and then Andrew mixed it. He did a fantastic job. Yeah. So yeah, it was really, really bright and um, kick-ass guitars and, mm-hmm. and stuff. So yeah, that was good. Uh, and then, then we laid off for a while. And then Wayne, Aiden, and I 
came back and did some recording. Uh, we called ourselves Calico Brothers. Right. And that was more of a um, folky tinged pop. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Brett Adams played uh, some guitar on that. Yep. Uh, and then on that was on the EP. Uh, and then we went and did a full album and um, Chet O'Connell jumped oh, on board and he, right. he played on that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's also this an incestuous little village that we live in, <laughs> isn't it? Very much so. Yeah. So that yeah, that was good fun and we um, we did some did some great gigs. Um, yeah, we played a lot of gigs with Splitter, um, like King's Arms and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just come off stage sometimes and, you know, with Wayne and Aiden, um, just a fantastic rhythm section. And you think... Fuck, we're like the best band in the world, <laughs> you know? and there's only there's only fifteen people here. Yeah, but you know, it, you just you, you know you got high off off, oh, yeah. off the music you're making, Absolutely. and it was it was great fun. Um, I mean, that's what motivates us, really, yeah, isn't it? I guess you know, that buzz. I guess, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, I've, I think I've never been any great shakes as a singer, and that's probably what what led us down. Now, having spent the last fifteen years more in the production side of music, mm. knowing that the, um, real singers, they really make a difference. It's its not good enough just to, oh, I've written a song on guitar, so I might as well sing it sort of yeah. thing, you know. But what, what would you call a real singer? Because, I mean, you know, John Lennon, Bob Dylan, I mean, these guys couldn't really sing, but they could. Oh, you know, that's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, it's... it's, it's um, it's not something that you sort of approach as a as a second thought. Yeah, it's a, I mean Bob Dylan is one of my favourite vocalists. He, Me too. He has it. Yeah, you know, it, but he can't sing. It's about it's it's about charisma. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and attitude. And, and attitude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I don't. I think I have as a singer. Right. So um, there must be something in your head, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was just by default, really. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I agree with you. Right. I'm right. just saying that, like, you know, really all Bob Dylan is is attitude. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Because he has no yeah. vocal technique. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Although when he was a younger man, um, you know, It's All Right, Mar, Only Bleeding and stuff like that, you mm. know, it's still a great vocal performance. Yeah. You know? He's oh, never really flat. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know. No, I know what you mean. And I'm not, uh, you know, to be clear, I'm not criticizing him. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm saying that that's kind of the magic of music. Yeah, yeah. You know, he will never fill in for Pavarotti, you know. <laughs> um, he won't join in sync. No, no. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'd, but I'd like to see that, though. I would, <laughs> I would pay a lot of money <laughs> yeah. to see that. <laughs> so when you started to, um, uh, you know, focus more on family and, and back away, was that, uh, did you miss it? Like, you know, um, or was he just thinking forwards? Just, I don't know. You're just in it, aren't you? And yeah. you're just thinking, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do. I mean, I was still playing. I was playing. Um, you know, I play a bit of guitar for Greg Fleming. Oh yeah, right. Um, and um, we've done five albums in five years with yeah. with Greg. This will be the first year I think we haven't haven't done an album. Jeez, that's a lot of albums. Yeah, he's prolific. He's yeah. an amazing songwriter. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then just the cover thing fell into my lap right and um you know i've been been enjoying doing that as mm. i say because because the songs are great and um you know you get to play a bit of a rock star you you know put a gig on and there'll be loads of people there yeah more people on a covers gig than yeah the- <laughs> absolutely yeah. i mean no one no one's there to see the band no that's they're right. there to enjoy the music and the, n- the nostalgia and yeah. reveling in their youth and memories and stuff. You yeah. know, you c- it could be any band up there playing those songs. I think as long as you're doing it to a certain level. Yeah. Um, 
and and that's been but that's been fun yeah and um and quite lucrative right so um mm. yeah uh, and so now those the, the, uh, have you got like the sort of nice balance I think so yeah, going on yeah. now you can write you can play with some people and, and do some recordings and absolutely go and do some gigs and yeah yeah it's, 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 it's good actually I'm yeah. a, um, I've sort of come to a point now where yeah it's all just uh, and there's no expectations on, on the original stuff I just as, as we said before we're just doing it all for ourselves yeah you know? it's like wow that sounds cool and Let's don't do you that. then realize that it should have been like that the whole time yeah well i th- I think it kind of was to a certain extent but yeah. yeah yeah i mean when you're a younger guy especially in the 90s and there was all the nz on air thing you're mm. thinking oh no let's try and make it three and a half minutes or, or whatever yeah. yeah um uh what's the poppiest song we've got and that sort of thing right um which is laughable really <laughs> yeah I remember on my second album the record company were convinced this particular song was the single right. and even I was like really yeah. not re- that doesn't really reflect the sound of the band or you know right, right. anything like that and we put it out and we got a bit of players on Haraki and things like that but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it didn't really go anywhere and right. I felt like um, it wasn't I just didn't feel like it was mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was more of an experiment. Yeah, you know, and uh, and I didn't. I'm not entirely sure what my sound is exactly, but it, that wasn't it. Yeah, yeah. That's a <laughs> shame, isn't there's it? There's a couple other songs on the record that I thought yeah. were way better songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and why the hell did I listen to him? Right. You know, but I, you know, you live and learn. You've got to be a bit more stroppy, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I just, uh, I think I was just in that mindset of like record company knows best. Right. Oh, you got to, I guess, play the game to a certain extent. You know, you yeah. might not have won any um, any favours if you'd been too obstinate. So, uh. Well, what I've learned in the years since, you know, in the podcast has been um, part of my education in a way, yeah. is really when you look at the industry and you look mm-hmm. at the numbers and the stats and, yeah. you know, and you, you look at the success rate versus the fail rate of, yeah. of you know, the number of artists that are signed and how many, you know, ever recoup and how, yeah. how many actually you know get a, a single away yeah um, and then you then you go well out of all of the artists who had a successful single how many of them managed to follow it up with another couple yeah and then how many of them managed to follow it up with another couple of successful albums yeah yeah you know yeah. and there's very few i mean the no. numbers are the stats are so slim yeah yeah um and you look at you know the, the sort of more obvious success stories like the Finn brothers and those sorts of guys and, and sure. Dave Dobbin. Yeah. And you go, and, and to me, it makes it way more impressive, you know, because yeah, yeah, they're yeah. just really such great stuff. Yeah. That yeah seem to yeah. connect with audiences over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, but I think it, what it also did for me is it, it helped me let myself off the hook, you know, because I think I was failing myself under that expectation. Right. Yeah. Where I, where really what I was doing was I was failing myself because I didn't win the lottery. Yeah. And, and one could argue this, the, um, the, the, the likelihood uh, in the music industry is far less. Yeah, than a lotto win. <laughs> than a lotto yeah. win, yeah. And also you're comparing you know, yourself with uh, a music industry from 40 years ago. That's, so, that's exactly yeah, right, you know, yeah. Um, it's not the same. It's a different... Uh, it was a different world back then. The uh, opportunities to do shit yeah. were completely different. So um, Also, you you take yourself away, and you, you um, kind of commented on this before when you're talking about like the reality show mindset. Mm why are we doing this yeah yeah, you know, yeah are we doing this to navigate um and become ce- celebrities or right. are we doing this because we love playing music yeah well, well, well yeah i've never been interested in being a celebrity uh <laughs> fame no. and fortune you can hold the fame i'll just <laughs> take, take the fortune the yeah. yeah yeah 
Yeah. I was always going to be happy with the swimming pool. Yeah, yeah. If I could, if I could pay for a swimming pool out of my music, <laughs> right. that would be that'd be just fine with me. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to have that kind of reset moment and go. Actually, why I do this is because I love music. Yeah. And um, and because I love music, it actually doesn't need to be. Yeah. Um, anything in particular. Yeah. You know, even if it is just me on the porch. An old dude with a banjo. I'm, I'm going to fucking love it. You know? <laughs> a dog in a rocking chair. Yeah. I mean, really, doesn't that sound great? Yeah. Well, that's that's why I've um, that's why I'm I'm excited and positive at the moment. Yeah. Is um, you know I, I've sort of rediscovered that joy of um, you know a guitar through a a delay pedal and going oh wow if you play that it bounces back and you can you know it just it's it's fun yeah you know got your juice back yeah it's it's um really really encouraging yeah um yeah for you know many years it's been oh god i can't be bothered oh, i gotta do that you know <laughs> getting to your guitar is the last thing on your mind right you know? yeah well i look forward to hearing what you come out with yeah, well, so do I. Don't, don't, don't hold your breath. It'll be a long and involved process. Sweet. Thanks, man. Okay, thank you. I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, cool guy, cool chat. I enjoyed that immensely. And uh, check his stuff out whenever he, he does put together his new thing, whatever it's going to be called, and uh, whether it's recorded or live or whatever he's going to do. Um, check it out. I'm sure it'll be cool. And uh, in the meantime, I assume ADZ have probably had to cancel or, or postpone shows like the rest of us have. Um, but when you can, when you're able, when it's possible, go and check them out. Thank you to overflowsupport.co.nz for keeping the lights on. Reach out to us if you would like us to promote your business on our little platform here. Um, it's good. It's amazing. I'll do a great job. I might even read it in Dutch or another language. Maybe you could also request the language. That'd be funny. Okay. Thank you everyone for listening, for tuning in, and we will see you on the next one. Take it easy. If you find what we're doing useful and you like this podcast, please do like, share, and subscribe, and give us a review on iTunes.